Welcome to the podcast of the First Baptist Church of Gray, Georgia. Led by Pastor Randy Darnell, FBC Gray seeks to help people of all walks of life find Jesus and give Jesus away. If you are ever in the middle Georgia area, we would love to see you at one of our services. You can learn more about us at fbcgray.org. Now let's join Pastor Randy as we take another look into God's Word. preachers. One of the things that, uh, that I cannot do, it drives me absolutely, totally, completely berserk, is the pastors that, that every sermon that they preach, the first word of every one of their points starts with the same letter. You know, that comes with something like, uh, today our four points are going to be pull, power, perfection, and pansies. And you're going... <clears throat> You know, it's contrived. It don't work for me. It drives me crazy. So sometimes when I sit down, and, and like I did for this week, I'm writing the sermon up, doing all the stuff that goes along with it, and I find out that every point starts with the same letter. I go, you know, I might grow up and be a preacher one of these days. It's sort of cool. Four, four words that are going to be in here. I've, I've, I'm following John Stott's uh, outline. I mean, the guy's a whole lot smarter than me, so why why well, try to recreate the wheel, right? So I'm using his outline, and his outline gives us five assurances when we're talking about Romans 8. He gives us five assurances, five affirmations, five questions, and one truth. And so I'm looking through this, and I'm thinking that, that he needs more. The, the, the words need modifiers. So I'm thinking about it, and I go, okay, there's five unassailable assurances. It's Romans 8, 28. Then there are five undeniable affirmations, that's 29 and 30. And then five unbelievable questions that takes you almost, or takes you to the end of the chapter. And then one unshakable truth. They all started with un. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? Y'all got to be impressed. Somebody smile. I know you didn't die over the weekend. It rained, but the rain's over. It's all good. Unassailable, undeniable, unbelievable, and unshakable. That's as preacherly as preacher gets. And the cool thing about it is, is this text is crazy good. This, I let it speak for itself. There's uh, one more thing I need to say as a preamble, as, I, uh, as, as before we get into all of this stuff, is that there will be something in here that I promise some of you will disagree with. I promise, I promise. It's a promise right up front. You're going to disagree with it because this scripture uses the words elect, election, and predestination. And those two words will set people off faster than anything else in the world. Southern Alabama churches are fighting about this. I found out there's churches that are fighting about it in parts of Georgia and in other parts of the Southern Baptist Convention. They're fighting over this nonsense. I've got a, I've got a, a, a pastoral uh, uh, advice to give to each one of them. Quit being stupid and go back to talking about Jesus and quit talking about things that you don't know a whole lot about because we don't know a whole lot about it. Here's the way I do this, okay? When you're in the scripture and it preaches predestination, that's what I'm going to preach because that's what the word says. You got it? Now, you can disagree with me if you want to, and that's fine, but you're not disagreeing with me, you're disagreeing with the text. We're going to get to a point where there's text that says, whosoever will. That's anybody can be saved. When I get to that text, that's what I'm going to preach, because that's what the Word says. Because, see, here's the deal. 
When it gets down to this, this is God's decision, it's not mine. How God decides to work things out, you know, well, Randy, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't predestination and free will, don't they contradict one another? Well, obviously not, because that's how God's got it in his word. You and I, you and I cannot know who God's called to salvation or why he calls who he calls. Scripture nowhere in the world says that, you know, there's certain people that if you look at their back, there'll be a certain mark, and those are my elect. There's nothing out there. So when I preach, I'm going to preach whosoever will I come, and when you come, then you're the elect. How about that? That's the way this thing works. I'm good with that. Election and predestination are not things to get angry over. They're not things to go all crazy about. They're just some things in the scripture that we're not totally understanding how it all works together. I'm thrilled. I'm elated. I'm as overcome by excitement as a Southern Baptist can get. When I was preaching this to myself, I always preach it two, three, four times to myself. I even shouted once, oh my goodness gracious, almost a Pentecostal. This stuff, I'm telling you right now, when you, get through, when you get through hearing what Romans 8 says to you, when you get through hearing this, if it doesn't at least cause a little something inside you, go home and worry. I'm serious. Go home and worry a little bit. Think about, why didn't that mean something to me? Because this, this is it. I'm telling you right now, this, this, this gets you a little fire going, you know, it's, it's, the butane and the lighter and the whole nine yards, this is good stuff. Anyway, shut up and preach, Randy. Romans 8.28 last week. We got to get 8.28 last week so we can go on. We'll do it real quick. There were five unassailable, five unassailable assurances. These stand for all time. Now, are you ready? Five unassailable assurances. Number one is God works in our lives. God works in our lives. Number two, God works in our lives in all things. In everything that happens in our lives, God's working. God, number three, God works in our lives, uh, excuse me, God works in our lives in all things for good. Number four, God works in our lives in all things for good for those who love him. So if you are a Christ follower, everything that happens in your life, God is working for good. And number five, the fifth unassailable assurance is that God works in our lives in all things for good for those who love him and he gives a purpose to our lives. If you were listening to the songs that we were singing this morning, you could hear it come through, come through, come through. That's the five unassailable assurances. They can't be attacked, they can't be questioned, they can't be defeated. Yeah, people can say stuff about them, but they're truth, they can't be changed. Folks, grab hold of that and understand that. Let that be in your heart right now. Remember, we've talked about everybody's going to suffer. Don't grab hold of Romans 8.28 when you're suffering. It's too late. Grab hold of Romans 8.28 right now so that you know when that day comes that you've got it in you and you know that God is working for your good even in the midst of the worst thing you've ever gone through. It's an assurance. Unassailable. Can't be taken away. Then, here we go. Five undeniable affirmations five undeniable affirmations number one God foreknew us from the very beginning of time on the day that he decided to create a people he loved he knew he knew that day who he was going to love now Randy are you telling me that he knew who he would love and who he wouldn't love on the day he decided to create everybody yes I'm saying that 
Pastor, are you saying that he knew then who he would be calling to heaven and who he would be sending to hell? Is If God is good and loving, why would he send anybody to hell? That's the wrong question for us to be asking. Because, see, we've studied Romans now, and we know and we understand what Romans says. And we understand how God operates here. We remember Romans 3.23 that says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If God is just and holy, why wouldn't he allow everybody to go to hell? If God is just and holy, why doesn't he allow us all to go to hell? You're a sinner, right? I mean, you're saved now, but you were a sinner. Why did he choose? Why did he have mercy on anybody? You see, if he is just, if he is just and holy, then wouldn't his justice and his holiness require that everyone be punished? So we're looking at it saying, well, if he's all If God is love, then this is what ought to happen. No, 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 no. He's also just and he's also holy. And this is what should have happened. Instead, though, he's had mercy on some of us. He's he's had mercy. How, How did that happen? You know, I used to believe that his foreknowledge was him knowing what choice I was going to make, whether I chose, whether I was going to choose to follow Jesus or not. But that, that can't be. You know, y'all listen to me and pay attention. Pay attention to this and let this sink in a little bit because it will mean something to you on the backside. It can't be that his foreknowledge was that he knew I was going to choose him or I wasn't for a couple of reasons. See, if I'm choosing him, that's a work that I'm doing. And Ephesians 2 says that's not a possibility. Ephesians 2 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that nobody can boast. You can't boast. See, if I chose God and you didn't choose God, I could boast that look at me, I chose him and you didn't. And I can't do that. And there's there's another thing here. He says it can't be because something is good in me. Because if you go back to the book of Genesis, you hear God say, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. There's nothing good in me when I'm apart from him. Listen, God has a criteria that depends solely on him and not on us. So accusing God, instead of accusing God of unfairness and not being good, we should be overwhelmed by his mercy and his grace that, he's, that he chose to love us. That he chose to love us. Do you understand? This, this, we, I'm afraid we've heard it so much it doesn't ring anymore. We should not be saved. We should not be going to heaven. We should not, based on our merits, receive any goodness at all and yet by his mercy for some reason he chose that I don't understand for some reason he looked down on us and he said I'm making you my child God foreknew God foreknew undeniable affirmation number two he foreknew he predestined that word scares everybody except Presbyterians to death so get rid of the word predestined and put in its place the word plan for those who he foreknew, by his reasoning and not ours, though whom God, those, whoop, those whom God foreknew, he made a plan. God has a plan for your life. 
You've heard it a million times, but Scripture is saying it loud and clear here. Look beyond your circumstances. Look beyond your thoughts and your feelings. This is undeniable. God has a plan for your life, and God is going to grow you, and he's going to grow me to look as much like Jesus as we possibly can on this side of heaven, and then he's going to do what 1 John says. He says, we're, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. He has chosen us for some reason that's his own, and has nothing to do with us, and he is going to, he has a plan to make us as much like Jesus as he can, and then when we die, he's going to make us like Jesus. That's what scripture says. Undeniable affirmation number three, those who he foreknew, he predestined, and those he predestined, he called. And he does it the craziest way. He does preaching. He obviously did not study education. Then aren't we supposed to, uh, to teach by <clears throat> you have verbal people and you have uh, verbal people and you have sight people and you have kinesthetic people and you've got to teach to all three of those things. God obviously did not take that course. He chose just to do preaching. And yet by preaching we hear and he stirs. On Thursday night we got to I got to to speak to the uh, track team, the uh, cross country team. I had 10 minutes. 10 minutes. I worked on that 10 minutes all stinking day long. Because see, when you got 30 minutes, then you can say a lot of stuff. But when you've got 10 minutes, you got to say just the most important stuff. So I put six minutes in it that just sort of got us to where we needed to go. And then the last four minutes that we talked about was nothing but gospel. Nothing but gospel. That Jesus died on a cross for your sins. That he was buried in a tomb. That he was raised on the third day. And all of this was done so that you could know that you need a savior and you could be saved. And for four minutes, that's what we laid out there. Just the pure, unadulterated gospel. No illustrations, no nothing. This is what they got. And when I got through, I wasn't the least bit ashamed of what I'd presented. Because I know that those whom he foreknew, he made a plan and that he called. And that by preaching, they would hear the word and somebody's heart would be stirred. And that's what I count on in here on Sunday mornings too. Is that the word goes out and that the Holy Spirit stirs in our hearts because he's calling. And that somebody would be called. An undeniable affirmation number three. Uh, those who he foreknew, he predestined to be like Jesus. This is number four, actually, I think. No, it's number three. I get it right. Those he foreknew, he predestined them to be like Jesus. He called them, and then he justified them. And he justified them. The, 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 Y'all ain't going to know who the hoppers are. About four of you will because you're old. But the rest of you probably aren't going to know who the hoppers are. They're a gospel, song, a gospel group, but they sing the song, It's Shouting Time in Heaven. This is shouting time. Listen, this is shouting time. Every sin that you've ever committed, every sin that you've ever committed, everything that I should have done but I didn't do, everything that's offensive to God around me, in me, by me, close to me, everything, he moved all of that into Jesus' account. And he moved from Jesus' account, all of Jesus' goodness and holiness and righteousness, and he placed all of that into my account. I'm justified. I'm free. I'm not out on bail. I'm not out on bond. There's nothing against me. I'm exonerated of all the crimes that I've ever committed because 
of the blood of Jesus has washed them away. I can walk into the presence of God without the fear of that consuming fire that we see in the book of Ezekiel. Instead, my father loves me. He looks forward to hearing from me. He teaches me, he disciplines me, he works his plan in me. And then undeniable affirmation number five is those he foreknew, he predestined them to be like Jesus. He called them, he justified them, and he glorified them. He glorified us that didn't des- doesn't deserve it. I did nothing. You did nothing to deserve any of this, and yet he reckoned Jesus' righteousness to us. And then he pours out glory on us like we did something to deserve it. The mirror ball is flashing. The spotlight's on us. The music's playing, and the voice comes over the intercom that says, Look at the beauty of my child. This person is mine. I love them. While they're on earth, I'm going to work on them. Whether they think I'm working on them or whether they don't, it doesn't matter. I'm going to work my plan to make them like Jesus. I'm going to grow them. I'm going to show them the glories of the riches of God as much as they can see it. And when they get to the end of their lives, I'm going to translate them out of these bodies that they're in into a body that's made of a fabric akin to light. That's why Paul can say what he says in 2 Corinthians. He says, don't lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Crepe skin. Crepe skin. Have y'all heard that phrase, crepey skin? I was watching television and they have this this little infomercial-like thing where where, uh, some famous actress is selling this cream that you ladies can, because y'all do it. Men, Men don't have crepe skin, I don't think. We just get old and get turkey necks. But... But 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 your but your skin is is you know it's, it looks like crepe paper is what they say and if you get this special cream, you know you young ladies don't have to worry about this yet. But when as you get older, you're going to get crepey skin, and and you and you rub this stuff on your neck, and the crepiness goes away, and all of a sudden you look like you're 15 again. Isn't that great? This 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 he, the scripture's talking about crepey skin. He says that. Though our outer self is wasting away, though I've got a turkey neck and you got crepey skin, you don't have it yet, but you will. You watch, you will. Though you got crepey skin, our inner self, that inside of us is being renewed day by day. I can't believe, looking in y'all's eyes, that y'all don't recognize crepey skin. This thing, they advertise on TV, somebody is spending good money to sell this stuff, and y'all don't understand it yet. Y'all got to get saved. Though the outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not for the things that are seen, but things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Listen, we suffer in this life. Not one second of your suffering is wasted but not one second of your suffering is going to linger in heaven. He's telling us every tear, every sorrow, every hurt, everything will melt away when we stand in the incredible presence, the one who died for us, our oldest brother Jesus, the firstborn of many brethren. He's telling us we didn't do anything to deserve this, and yet this is the gift that you're going to get. It's the motorcycle that I got on Christmas morning when I was a teenager. Mom and dad were poor as gully dirt. How in the world did they afford it? I still to this day wonder how many months mom and dad financed 
that Honda Scrambler 70 is what I got, and my brother got a Honda 50. How in the world did they afford that? I ate so many pinto beans in my life, I thought I was going to become a pinto bean. I thought one of the best meals in the world was pinto beans, fried potatoes, and a hunk of onion. Woo, we eating good now, aren't we? And mom and dad bought a motorcycle. And I come in on Christmas morning, and there's the motorcycle there, and I'm just bowled over. How did they get that? How could they afford? Probably because we ate pinto beans and potatoes, I guess. God's glory is, beyond, is so far beyond that. He is telling us that these are yours. These are yours. They belong to you. They're in your life right now if you're a child of God. We have five unassailable assurances. We have five undeniable affirmations. And we have five unbelievable questions. And we're going to go through them really, really fast. So listen, five unbelievable questions. Number one, if God is for us, who can be against us? Do you ever have a time or am I the only one in this room that sometimes feels like the whole world's against you? Just everybody. It's not just, it's not just my job's going bad. It's that everybody I know, my wife is against me, my, my parents are against me, my children are against me, the world is against me. Everybody's there, just, oh, woe is me. Poor pitiful little me. He's saying here, if God is for us, who can be against us? Nobody, period. Period, he says, no one can be against us. If God gave his own son to show us mercy, question number two, what good thing will he withhold from me? What is God holding back? How come he won't give me? He's Listen, if he gave his own son for you so that you could have mercy, what good thing do you think he's holding back from you? Maybe he's given you just what you need. Maybe you need to refer back to the undeniable affirmation that the Father's working a plan in your life and it's going to end up in a better place than you thought it could ever end up in. Maybe that's what's going on here. Question number three, who can condemn us before God? God justifies us. He knows every skeleton in your closet. And I got to thinking about this the other day too. You know, I talk about the skeletons in your closet just to make you think about all, you know, that I must have this horrible past full of skeletons. I know you've got a horrible past full of skeletons. But you know what else? He knows all the skeletons that you hadn't put in your closet yet. Because, see, we're still, we, we still are flesh. And we're still going to do something at some point. We're still going to say something at some point. And now we got another skeleton in our closet that we don't want the world to know about. And what he's saying right here is, who can condemn us? He knows what's in the closet already. Let people talk. Let them go to Facebook. God love them. Let them go to Facebook and blast you from here to eternity. Let them put a YouTube channel up that's all about you and how horrible you are. Let them go on Instagram. Let them go on Twitter. Let them say everything about you. Give them something to talk about. They ain't got no life if that's all they can do is go on Facebook and criticize people. Give them something to do with themselves because you cannot be condemned. God says that you are his child, you're free, you're pure, you're holy in his eyes. We don't feel like it, feelings don't count. Question number four, what can separate us from the love of Christ? Listen to this list. Listen, tribulation, can tribulation separate us from the love of Christ? No. Distress? No. Persecution? No. Famine? No. 
nakedness, I like to put poverty in here because these all wrap together. No, being poor can't do it. Danger, no. Sword, government thugs, no. But wait, there's more as the commercial says. Life or death, no. A ruler seen and unseen, no. Things happening today or things happening tomorrow, no. Powers, things that go bump in the night, things of the darkness, things of the devil, no. Things in heaven, things in earth, no. Anything in all of creation, anywhere, anytime, any place, anything at all, no, 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 no. Nothing can separate you from God. Nothing can separate you from the love that he has for you. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is called, if you want to put a name to it, the doctrine of the perseverance of saints. But actually John Stott says that we really ought to name it something else. We ought to call it the doctrine of the perseverance of God with the saints. Because I'm not hanging on to him. He's hanging on to me. Has a little thing says, let no more my comfort draw from my frail hand, my frail hold of thee. In this alone rejoice with all thy mighty grasp of me. It's hanging on to me. Everything in all of creation is under God's control. Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, has a hold on me that he absolutely will not let me go. And guys, maybe I'm the only one that needs a psychiatrist in here. I'm not really sure about all of this. But what I understand as I look at this in some of the days that I'm super up and some of the days that I'm super down and some of the days that just don't seem to matter, in all of them he's hanging on to me. That no matter what happens, if, 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 if anything in my life is going here, there, or everywhere else, he's there. In the dark of the night when I'm worried about my children, in the dark of the night when I'm worried about my parents, in the dark of the night when I'm worried about myself, he has my hand. He has me. Five unassailable assurances, five undeniable affirmations, five unbelievable questions, and one truth. One truth. Because of God's incredible, unspeakable, unexplainable, unfathomable love for us. In him, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Conquerors, that is actually super conquerors. In him, in all these things, we are more than super conquerors through him who loved us. What's my superpower? My superpower is Jesus. Jesus is my superpower. We're untouchable. We're untouchable. We're untouchable. Do you understand? We are untouchable. We, our hope has no boundaries. Our joy is everlasting. Every trial, every hardship, every pain, we might feel overwhelmed. We might be in despair. We might not see anything but darkness and heartache and pain. But feelings aren't truth. Deep down, the truth is in your spirit, in the inner recesses of your heart, the Holy Spirit is praying for you with groanings that are too deep for words. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding with the Father, calling your name on, on, on his behalf. And the Father has a grasp on you that will never be broken for all eternity. God is wrapped up in you. He wants you. He loves you. And he's got you taken care of. 
Logan and Kim are going to come. I forgot to tell you, Logan, wherever you happen to be, um, that uh, I'm not going to pray. We're going to go straight into the invitation here. So as Logan and Kim come and we get ready to take a few minutes to be still and reflect, I want to say to you, if, if, if you've never made a commitment to Jesus to receive his salvation and to follow him forever, what are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? What's holding you back? You know, a lot of people argue about a whole lot of things. And I've, I've heard so many bad things about church people. And, and you don't know that, that I just want to look at you when you're saying that. And I want to, I'm thinking in my head sometimes, just hush. For heaven's sakes, I've seen the good side of church people. I've seen the bad side of church people. I've been a good church person and I've been a bad church person. It don't depend on me. It don't depend on you. It don't depend on the people in the church. If Jesus is calling you, why would you let me get in your way? For heaven's sakes, what are you waiting on? If it's got something to do with anything else, it's Jesus that's calling you. You need a Savior. You see, one day I realized that I was not the sharpest tool in the shed. And a lot of these things that people argue about and talk about in theology just went right over my head. I didn't have a clue. All I understood was is that I needed a Savior. I absolutely needed a Savior. And it wasn't some deep theological thought. It wasn't some realization of some serious something that came to my mind. I don't know how I knew it was Jesus. I can't explain it. I've been in church. I went to Sunday school. I heard teaching. But one day something happened in me that I realized that Jesus loves me. That Jesus loves me. And he wants to save me. And he was saying to me, let me do it. Let me do it. What are you waiting on? Let me do it. And I did. I did. And I'd like to say that it made me the best guy that ever lived. But we, every one of us, know that is not even close to being true. But what I do know is this. Is that my sin was poured out on Jesus. And that wasn't fair. Jesus didn't do anything wrong. He was the, he was the only person that did it all right. He loved people that I find hard to love. He talked to people that I might walk on by. He took care of people that I probably would turn my nose up to. And yet, he took my sin. How is that fair? I'm going to talk about fair. How is that fair? And yet he did it for whatever reason. He decided to love me. He died. He placed my sins in hell where they belong. But me? Scripture says that I'm already with him in heaven, in spirit. And that one day when I die, that I will be consciously there. Father raised Jesus from the dead, took him to heaven sent the Holy Spirit to work in me, to work his plan in my life. 
And you know, one day, it might be today, it might be 30 years or more from now, he's going to take me home. That's the promise that he gives to you. That's the promise that he gives to each one of us. If you have never trusted Jesus as your Savior, it is him that's saying to you right now, why wait? I want you as mine. Come on. And Christian, I know, I know there are pastors that can preach a whole lot better than me. But we're preaching the same truth. I want you to feel and understand what I have felt. I realize that you get 30 minutes a week and that I'm living in this stuff. I have never understood the assurance of God like I understand it now from the scriptures. That there's nothing that can separate me. That there's nothing that, that reduces my value. That if, that if I ever needed to be loved by anybody, the almighty God of the universe loves me. gives me something that I it makes me a super conqueror that's what it does y'all stand let's sing if you've never trusted Jesus as your savior and today's your day that you're ready to do it come come forward and uh, talk to me about it if you can't walk in front of these folks talk to somebody around you and uh, talk to them about it. And Christian, I ask you to pray for just a minute to think about how much you're loved. Why Jesus is worth staking your life on. Just for a few minutes. Thank you for joining us for another episode from FBC Gray. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a single message. For more information about First Baptist Gray, visit us online at fbcgray.org. We hope you'll join us next week as we continue helping people find Jesus and give Jesus away.